Which was like a Canadian. You said it earlier when we were. I don't know what we we're talking about. Uh, that makes me saying I don't know what we we're talking about make it sound like I'm trying to hide what we were talking about. I just don't remember what we were talking about an hour and a half ago. But it was boobs. Um, boobs. But he said it in a way that was that was like it sounds like a Canadian saying. <laughs> One of my favorite things... Hi, everybody. Uh, I'll introduce this in a minute. One of my favorite things about the... Um, what's the the channel that does the honest trailers? The way that guy says yeah. boobs in his deep voice is like, boobs! Like, boobs. It cracks me up every every time. Uh, it's like he's clearly pronouncing it the B-E-W-B-S way. Uh, <laughs> hi, this is a family-friendly podcast where you can listen to it with your kids and there's no discussion about that stuff. And we were also talking about the cannibal from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, not a real cannibal, right before he showed up. My name's Sean Chaler. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. And this is not a podcast about boobs or cannibals. It is about Avatar The Last Podcasters, or uh, Avatar The Last Airbender in The Legend of Korra, I should say. And today we're going to discuss a, I think, a very interesting debate topic. And we're kind of going into it blind. We do not know the other's feelings. Although I bet we could guess, I bet we could guess. I yeah, I'm curious though. Um, I'm I'm. You probably know exactly where I'm at. Oh, hundred percent. And I'm and I and I am fifty fifty on where you're at. So I we'll, we'll, yeah yeah we'll get into it in a minute. But I yeah. I'm I'm excited to discuss it with you. But it's a fun topic. It's Toph versus Azula. Uh, not directly in a fight, although we might wrap up with that just for fun, right? So stay through yeah. to the end. We'll talk about a Toph versus Zula fight just a head to head for fun. But what we're talking about, that, if you're here for the if you're here for the fights, we'll get into the fights for at least a little bit and and say who we think yeah. will win in the actual fisticuffs or elementicuffs. It's um, yeah, it's unavoidable. But... It's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, we will talk about fighting, but what the primary point of this topic is. In their book two introductions, book two Earth, is which which introduction is more uh, integral to the story or impactful or yeah, I keep their, their addition, their addition to the to the show. Yes, and uh, that's it, I I don't know if it that they're two of the most prominent figures of of figures of book two that distinguish it, it from book one. And I think yeah. it's a great discussion that I had never thought about <clears throat> before seeing it in your keep notes list of suggestions for episodes. And I think it's a great topic. But before we get yeah, to I, that topic, Chris, uh, we just recorded a, another episode 10 minutes ago. So I'm sure you're still doing fine. But if there's anything else about yourself you'd like to share, I'm always ready to hear. Nah, everything changed in the last 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's been going to hell. Don't understand why people listen to Cat Williams, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is, it's 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 almost driving me crazy. An idiot could say something that's truthful, even because some of what he said is truthful, and you don't have to believe the rest of it. But I see people going with the whole thing, and I'm like, all right, he first said Cedric Entertainer stole a joke from him. <clears throat> Sorry, and there's proof that Cedric the Entertainer, who's a comedian on the Kings of Comedy, stole a joke from him. Okay, that's messed up. And then he goes on with like me and Ludacris 
sat down with the Illuminati and they said, hey, one of you can be in 10 movies and make $200 million and the other one not. And Ludacris took him up on that deal and now look at him. He's in Fast and Furious movies. He's making $10 million in every movie. Making 20-something movies. I'm like, why are people believing everything? He just said he had a meeting with the Illuminati. It's like He's anyway. also a literal comedian. He, yes, he's just, well, he is a storyteller. He's a comedian. He will exaggerate things and come up with things. Why are you believing everything he says? Some of the things he say is true. But that doesn't mean you believe everything he says. And it's entertaining. Like I want to watch I watch from every clip I come by because I'm like, I'm probably gonna be entertained by this. But then when I see commentary about like, oh, he's spitting fast, one hundred percent. Cat's always been a real one. I'm like, people are taking crazy pills. I what think yeah. Listen, when you sit down to intentionally watch comedy, comedy needs to be observed through the scope of not true unless specifically <laughs> stated otherwise. Uh, right? This is not a piece of news that you're vetting for the false bits. It is the other way around. It is it is comedy. It is a story. But I'm sure that varies. Anyway, comedian have, by comedian. Have you, seen, have you seen the Cat Williams stuff on the internets? Or, uh, or are you not on that side of the, the internets? No, uh, he, I, I come across several of his shorts on TikTok. Okay. Probably not from his official channel. Probably from yeah. other people. But I watch a, a yeah, fair yeah. bit of stand-up bits on TikTok. Okay, and this was shorts. a so this was an interview that Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp has a podcast. He interviews people, and and Calvin sat down, did like a two hour, almost three hour interview with him. Typically, these are like an hour long, and like Shannon Sharp introduces Cat Williams. Like, here's my guest today. It's it's a uh, you, you know him, comedian, uh, Cat, and then Cat Williams just goes off for like the first thirty minutes or whatever, and just like puts a bunch of people on blast. No question was asked. He just starts going off on people. Um, but, and so, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a weird. I don't, weird I don't thing. know if I've come across out. any of that at all. Oh, okay. like, I think all that it's like, I don't know if I have any context of, of Cat Williams outside of literal stand up comedy or, or yeah. roasts. So, yeah. and then he, he, he blasts Kevin Hart. Which I just think he's a hater when it comes to Kevin Hart. Like, there was a point in both of their careers where they were like the same level. Like both of them were like doing little side movies and stuff here and there. Both of them have released like three comedy specials to critical acclaim. And then now Kevin you know, Kevin Hart is is yeah. there and Cat Williams is somewhat obscure. So I think part of that is just he's he's a hater, which is like whatever. Um anyway, like some sometimes and he'll make it seem like, oh yeah, Kevin Hart is a is an industry plant, whatever that means. Or he's a bot. Like he was put in position by people and stuff. I'm like, no, I think Kevin Hart just worked hard at what he does. Like there's Kevin Hart didn't one day just be a star. Like he he was gonna be a guest <laughs> appearance on Martin Family, play a very tenth, fifteenth most important role, because that's where his career was at at that point. And he just worked himself up to a point, made himself there, showed up, but anyway. Pandora, those those years at Payless, uh, listening to stand-up comedy on Pandora, so shaped my views of comedy that uh, I have nothing against Kevin Hart. I think he's great. That's fine. But his stuff doesn't always land for me because it's so expressive. And I take in most of my comedy audio only. 
right? Like so uh, okay. people yeah. with gestures or heavily reliant on facial expressions or the fact that he's small mm -hmm. and like he's a lot of motion and things like uh, I find that a lot of this stuff doesn't land for me, which is probably exactly why, like the opposite reason why. And I do love John Mulaney, right? Cause there's very few like John Mulaney's face John is Mulaney always is, right here. You know? Here's the microphone. Yeah. That, that's it. Uh, or like, I would say in a nutshell, like I find cat Williams funnier because I don't need to see his face ever really for his jokes. Yeah. Uh, so I do enjoy Cat Williams comedy probably more than Kevin Hart. Again, not taking sides. It's just funny. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. like, do I like Kevin Hart? Yeah, in movies when I'm watching the movie on screen. I like Kevin Hart's uh, first thing is, I think with every comedian, their first three specials are going to be the best three specials they ever do. And for some reason, they go downhill from there. I mean, comedy um, is kind of a finite resource, like new material. It's, yeah, yeah. You know? That, that, like I watched a little bit of the most recent Chappelle one, and I'm just like, yeah, this isn't as good as killing me soft, killing them softly, which is like, I'm great, amazing. That's like, same with Chris favorite, Rock. That's like, one of my favorite specials. Period. Yeah, like I would, I somehow downloaded it on LimeWire or something, and I put it on a CD. And when I worked overnights at McDonald's, I would just play that mm -hmm. while I was, you know, taking orders, whatever was on in the background. <laughs> um, Back when you know you couldn't wear headphones, and yeah. Stuff. But that's and awesome. then the his other specials great too. But two freaking great specials. Chris Rock's bigger and blacker special, so good. Still freaking applicable to today. Mm -hmm. So great special. But then I watched recent ones. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Like I don't know. I'm I'm glad John Mulaney didn't fall in, and maybe just because I saw that live. I think so. Was, I think out of con. Uh, I think if we had seen that one not live, it we probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I think the rule of three would probably still apply. I think the live yeah. is a sway. Yeah. Uh, I I do like bigger and blacker, but Chris Rock is another one where I probably don't appreciate as much. And there again, is just he's very expressive. I think that's part. Oh of it. yeah. Um, the facial things he makes yeah is, that's that's is, like not half of it but it is a part of it but i do it. like bigger and blacker that's fantastic and yeah I, rule of three that's actually probably a pretty good rule of ones i can think of at least yeah in in the world of comedy <laughs> i think so i have no idea how we got on that topic uh <laughs> We're talking, what time talking about days. the illuminati and shannon sharp and now we're on the rule of three in comedy but listen, Skip. I miss hearing Shannon say, Skip. Skip. Uh, his in his retaliation Skip. voice, right? That's when yeah. the, that's his I'm talking second voice is the yeah. Skip. Yeah. Chris, great impressions there on Cat and, and, and Shannon. Nicely done. Chris, the episode this week is Toph or Azula. In book two, or is there Toph versus Azula? I don't even know how to title it. I'm going to say Toph versus Azula in book two. Whose um, I introduction? Think, I think Toph versus Azula, I would frame this as Toph versus Azula. Who was more, who was the better addition to the show? That's a long time. But <laughs> Toph versus Azula, better addition, question mark. Ooh, I like that. Sure. No, that's good. I'm gonna go with that. Let me write it down before I forget. Chris, how how do you want to kick? How do you want to kick this off? Who do you want to start? Why? Yeah. 
Um, so I figured, so just to uh, level set, I was on, on Twitter, and someone had wrote, which character's introduction completely changed the show for the better? And this person had, like, subtweeted this or quoted this with Toph. Like, definitely Toph was the best addition. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, Toph was a really great addition, but was she the best? I was trying to think of who would, whose introduction, whose addition to the show was better. And I thought, oh, Azula. Like, those two are the two who change Avatar for the, for the better, but which one was the best? Whose non-early uh, season one introduction changed the show, right? Like, they weren't in the first few episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like oh, King Boomy was added or oh, Suki was added. Like no, they weren't really. Yeah, and like these are like almost although midstream. Uh, mid- like, yeah, someone, someone might be like, well, Zula was actually in the first episode because that was a because she's in the all right the, measured on the, screen the, time in seconds. Yes, <laughs> yes, and actual words like actual characters <clears throat> in addition. Yeah. Um. So as as for talking about this debate, so we could approach it three different ways. Um, there's the first way of of whose addition was the uh, made the show the the best, and also whose addition changed the world, the changed the universe of Avatar the most. Um, but I think the most of this conversation, I think, could be oh, and the third one is just ended with who who went in the fight. That's that's um, beautiful. I think most of, yeah, I think most of this conversation will be around whose edition made the show better. And I, um, I, yeah, I, Chris, I think I have my my clear answer okay. to that question. And what so, do you, what do you guess mine would be? And I'll go over mine. You're just get, we'll, you're just gonna be Azula. And uh, listen, oh, you know what? Here, spoiler alert. Not spoiler alert. Here's my answer. But I'm gonna say my answer. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me wait. Let me guess. Yeah, wait, go let ahead. me guess. Though. I'm gonna guess, man. But okay. So, in your point of view, I to think the to the, the first addition... question. That's important to to yes, the making the better show. Show. Yes, yes. To the first question. I think for you, and I'm fifty fifty on this. But I think it's tough. I think it's very close. It is very close. I'm gonna take Azula. And my short Ooh, my okay. short answer is that Toph is. Toph is the better character, and I like Toph better as a character. But remember, you introduced me to that idea from the commentary where they had to add a more present villain. They had to bring Ozai into a more present role. And so at first, that was Zuko. And then in throughout mm-hmm. book two or late book two, that kind of shifts away from being Zuko. But we still needed that that truly... And you already know... You already know in book two, Zuko's going to flip. You know it's going to happen because yeah. he's with Iroh. We needed that presence and to write her in at that point where you now have a good feel for Team Avatar and for Zuko and Iroh's relationship to some degree to to, to recognize that and to bring her in at that point and, and to craft a compelling villain in the fashion that they did knowing that it wasn't the big bad uh, was was nothing short of stellar writing and, and crafting, in my opinion. And so I do think that it, you knew there was going to be an earthbending master somewhere. 
right? You knew that was going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. It was sort of predicted, foretold, you know, what are they going to do with it? Yeah, but you yeah. did not necessarily know how or that they were going to try to make this real and present danger the way that they did. Yeah. super close. Uh, I love both so much. Yeah, they're both great. Um, I really thought you would choose Toph because Toph, the great thing that Toph added was here's a BA character. While Angus BA, Angus like reserved. He doesn't want, he's, I would never describe Angus as a BA. I don't character. think he'd want that either. Whereas no, Toph definitely like, would. Sure, he, he's BA sometimes, <clears throat> but when he doesn't want to be it. Toph is like, I'm Toph mother effing Bay song. I am the greatest I've been alive. I'm that. If she's uh, Samuel Jackson, she's the bad mother ever. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> like, she's yeah, she's, she's, she's um, Samuel L. Jackson in basically every movie that Samuel L. Jackson is in. Yeah, yeah. She's Samuel L. Jackson of Avatar. Um, so she added this element that was missing of this BA character. <clears throat> she also added another quality of comedy to the show which was uh which works in great tandem with with uh <clears throat> dang it sorry works in great tandem with Sokka like it's almost like here's two friends and and they're idiots together not idiots because they're not idiots neither one of them are, are idiots yeah, yeah, here's but... them together. they can be a little silly and she provided some confrontation a, co- a complete opposite of Aang in that sense, because uh, she wasn't like Aang at all, um, and and she wasn't like Katara, so it, it created, it put conflict in Team Avatar where there wasn't really conflict before, mm-hmm. and I think that was done uh, really well because Team Avatar before, yeah, there was a little conflict and here. It, it felt well, again, sometimes very timely though too. Like we had just we're we're, we're set now. We know Team Avatar. We feel some intimacy with them. Mm-hmm. And then you plop in this new character that instead of just being a trainer is, is a member of the team. Uh, but I think the timing is, is perfect for when they brought her in. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, I think um, about the actual, Oh, I'm sorry. Interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, I'm a year ago. So I was thinking about their literal introductions and I think, uh, they're like when they actually first step into the show, not the flashback in, in book one, but when they actually show up, Mm-hmm. Um, describes a lot about like how you and I enjoy the show differently is because I know that you are a big fan <laughs> of Azula on the ship and that whole bit, right? Yeah. And I'm not as much. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. Toph's the introduction to Toph, that whole first two episodes or whatever with Toph of like this tiny blind girl talking crap in a wrestling ring. Like yeah. it's funny, mm-hmm. it's it's extreme, it's goopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that says a lot about the different things that we uh, maybe take or the different ways that we watch the show. Um, but it, that is essentially in a vacuum. I think our <laughs> our taste, our, our approach, and, and taste and appreciation yep. uh, for the show. Because, like, when I see the introduction to Azula, <clears throat> like, if we if we were talking about just the introduction, which for a minute I thought maybe you did get, I I think I put in my statement introduction. Not my statement, but I, in the list. I don't know if you did or not. I just um, I thought you know it's it's worth bringing up that it's. So, uh, well, like a microcosm for sure. Yeah, but that is interesting because they have two very dramatically different introductions. So opposite. Like Azula's introduction isn't like, 
I'm Azula, I'm a BA. It's like, I'm Azula. I know who the F I am. I am freaking royalty. I am um, uh, a little bit manip- manipulative. I am, think, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Uh, she's crafty. Very... She's guile. Uh, she's demanding, uh, commanding. I, there's probably a good word. Yeah. Uh, threatening. Yeah, she is less so. So, like, even when you when you're introduced to Zuko, you have much sooner, much much very soon, not much sooner, very soon you have like some sympathies for Zuko, pretty pretty close to right out of the gate. Part of that's because Iroh, yeah, but you just do. You don't. As soon as this woman steps uh, off the ship, right, or as soon as you see her on the ship, like, there, there's no sympathy in your brain. Yeah has a pretty good vibe it's like yeah this this is a this is the clear and present danger like they very effectively set the tone with azula and i think that's yes. a big part of of my answer uh despite yeah. my introductory present uh preferences yeah. Think, yeah and like she i mean she says to the captain like it's a threatening like the thing is the captain to a ship captain a person of status yeah and from the ice perspective the captain seems right he's like the tides won't let us come in because like that's what the captain would know the tides won't let us come in it's i don't have any power over tides. i'm just letting you know the tides won't let us come in just like who runs this ship like do the tides come in the ship he's like i don't know what you're talking like you ever i've been in those positions before <laughs> where i'm in a meeting and someone oh, freaking steve Patton. Me, oh, I, <laughs> <in> my career. <laughs> which put me in the worst spot ever. I'm glad that my current company isn't like that at all. Like, no one's trying to trick me up and stuff. Yeah, like there's a time where, where uh, maybe he was getting back in there or something. There was one time where we, you know, planners or analysts used to have meetings with Steve, like it was just like a touch base that he would have with like a group of them. And one time he was like seven minutes late, and he came in. He was like, "Oh, sorry, I'm late. Like my assistant scheduled this way down here." And me, stupidly, was like, "Oh, well, it only takes like two minutes to walk down here, and you're seven minutes late." Said that jokingly. Like <laughs> Chris, read the room, Chris. Read the room. But it was just a joke. I don't think that had to do with this time that he freaking belittled me. Um, in front, like it was at a, it was at a. At an open to buy meeting, where where we go over, like our inventory's coming in here, our markdowns are coming in here, sales coming in here, and I go over it, and and I'm like, all right, we're gonna have, have sales plan to increase in this month, in this quarter, and, and so in this month, inventory should be coming in here, and he's like, what product is coming? I'm like, oh, well, and I just I'm like, well, we have some wedges or something coming in. He's like, no, what specific product? Coming in, I'm like, oh, I don't know the specific product name. Um, well, no, before I answered, Jason and Melissa answers for me because they know the freaking answer. Like they're about to answer the question, and then Steve like almost hushes them. I was like, no, I want Chris to answer the question. Like, why are you being a dick? Like, <laughs> like they know the answer. I planned. I talked with them. We all went over the sales together. Why are you calling me out on this? We're the same. Well, he doesn't know that I'm. Yeah, I'm over covering two merch planner positions, 
training Robert on one end and <laughs> stuff like you don't know everything I'm trying to do here. I'm sorry I don't know the specific answer for this specific shoe coming in. Also but... in Latin America, covering very broad strokes, right? Like Yeah. That that's a that's a wide range of inventory to have to be aware of. That's all uh, that's all I'm saying. And Come on, Steve, be better. Yeah. I don't know where he's the at. After that meeting, Liz Liz was like Steve was out of line for for doing that too. And I'm like yeah, whatever. But in retro, I'm like, well, Liz, you should have spoke up at that point. Like, you should have spoke up and told him, like, no, Chris, like, one thing, Chris is doing this and this and this. Like, it's, you're one of your idolized for questions like that. Like, Robert, I, that was like Robert's first open to buy meeting because he was there to kind of watch me. And he was like, Chris, after that meeting, I didn't never want that to happen to me. <laughs> Robert's probably like, man, American like, business sucks. <laughs> he was like, I'm. It was like I went out of my way to like look at everything and stuff. Uh, one oh, I think I'm getting off tangent. One from, one from a prep meeting. It's still funny to this day. Robert says something. He he had say we were in break. We were probably in the summer. He had some fall products coming in. He wants to use his markdowns on those fall products. And so we we're talking about markdowns and stuff. And because and we argue over, oh, I want markdowns. I want markdowns because, you know, we'll shift them around and stuff yeah. and land them and stuff. And then we're like, Robert, what markdowns? What do you need this for? He's like, oh, from my FL product. And we're like, FL product? <laughs> Robert, we're, we're trying to promo like spring products right now. Like, what are, like we kind of laughed at him. <laughs> like, in a, in, a, in a funny way. I'd say you didn't belittle him in front of an audience. Right, we was even still bringing it up to him. To this day, I could text him and Mo and be like, remember when Robert tried to promo that fall product in like the middle of summer? Let, let them... Uh, you know. <laughs> Seasons in... Uh, Afri- remind me, I think they're from El Salvador, Robert and Carmen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So listen, they don't really have seasons how we're used to, okay? Like cut them some slack. Um <laughs> anyway, back to the story of Azula belittling this captain. I miss Roberto. Respect- miss Roberto so much. Uh yeah, Azula just to a man of stats, to an officer in command of a valuable Fire Nation commodity. Yeah. Belittles and threatens him that she will she was like do the tides care about you? Because if I throw you over the over the ship, the tides won't care about you at all. They'll just rip you to pieces. But me, I haven't decided yet <laughs> if I'm going to tear you pieces. Like that is so menacing and threatening, um, and so much of that character. But yeah, story wise. So long story short, <clears throat> even though I love Tal's addition to the show, this was like an easier answer for me, mm-hmm. and it's Azula's addition is more impactful to the show because one she adds like you said that other element to to the villain side that you didn't see coming did not, um, not at she all. is first watch through it caught me totally off guard yeah like you knew a top was coming maybe not in the way that she did True. but yeah we knew like we knew the formula it was like all right aim got a water bender teacher this year he'll get another one next year we'll just see he'll get an earth bender teacher next year we'll see what it is and, and fire will be the last one obviously like we get that yeah azula was like no here's a here's a new threat hmm? 
And at first she's introduced pretty lightly, and then you're like, oh, she is. This like, is not a one episode. You get that sense mm-hmm. pretty quickly, too. This is not a one episode sidekick, mm-hmm. right? No, like, nope, this is the new clear yeah. and present danger right here. Yeah. Uh, and she mm-hmm. was freaking threatening. Like, she pretty much killed Aang. And, like, if she took mm-hmm. over, she was so threatening. She took over a whole nation pretty much just with her and two other girls. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how, that's her level of threat. And also her conniving and her manipulations. It just added, a, one thing added a completely different dynamic than Zuko. Like, Zuko and Zhao were incompetent. <laughs> like, book one, they're the almost the, the fuddy-duddy villain. Yeah, they're the, they're the putties of the bad guys from Power Rangers. Yeah. Like, Zhao, you knew Zhao wasn't, like, Zhao wasn't ever going to take down Aang. Like, yeah. like, like, Aang fought him in, in, in the, and danced his butt in front of Zhao's face. No way Zhao was going to take down Aang. Like, imagine Aang trying to do that to Azula. He's, he's dead. Cut him in half. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, that brings right. us to, to the second question, though, which, uh, you want to go first or you want me to? I, I go first. So the second question is, whose addition to the Avatar universe was more impactful? And so while my answer to the first question was undoubtedly Azula, this one is undoubtedly Toph. Like Toph's legacy in the universe of Avatar: Last Airbender is one of the greatest legacies for someone who is not the Avatar and is not of any type of royalty. In fact, her impact is. It's greater than a lot of different royalty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say all any anyone royalty, especially if you think about the novels and stuff. But we're talking about a person who adding... ends up an old woman in a tree, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like her creation of metal bending fundamentally changed the universe. And like, sure, Azula conquered Bossing Say, but in the history books, it'd be like, like I don't think about who. If I think about Thomas Edison, even though I'm sure he stole plenty of different things, but he, but he is known for, for uh, modernizing and and uh, popularizing. That's not the word I'm looking for, but delivering electricity to Make, the world. Making it accessible change, to to the normal human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Widening the accessibility of it. That completely changed the world. Granted, way more dramatic than Mel Benning did, but. Uh, actually, Henry Ford is probably a better example. Yeah, there we Henry go. Henry Ford is probably there a better we... example, uh, and also more um, <laughs> probably has more concrete responsibility in the. Every day know. when I wake up um, from my eight to five, I think Henry Ford. I hope you're burning in hell. No, that's too far. But <laughs> I mean, Henry Ford did uh, probably see. The support that's the oh my gosh. What's it called? The uh, ch- the belt. Ch- oh my gosh! I feel so. Hold dumb. on, we can get this. The uh, something oh line production God. line that ain't right. What is it called? No. The assembly line. Assembly line. Oh my yes, God. that's what. Why did it take uh, us I'm, that I'm long? In the, I'm in the middle of getting my 
fleeing to Sigma Green Belt, and I couldn't think of assembly line. We we're intelligent, educated people, and we took us three minutes to think of assembly line. Yeah, every time I wake up, I, I blame Henry Ford for a lot of modern modern uh, American problems. First world problems yeah. for sure, no doubt. I do think he's to blame for the forty hour work week. I think he is. Yeah, no, that's that's part of my qualm with that guy. <laughs> Uh, Chris, ditto, ditto to all um, the things. Yeah, false, yeah, yeah. False, false impact is like Henry Ford. Like that dramatically changed everything in the world. Like people copy that. Industries change, manufacturing change. Like you just added a whole new freaking way of thinking and and life to the world that everyone can can not everyone but can be utilized across uh across the world and metal bending uh did that so ditto to everything you said i share the same answer it's tough in this question and but then also i want to add i want to i want to add a slightly like more sentimental approach to this one too like my relationship with the avatar universe if you if you replace tough with like I mean, they still would have needed an Earthbender, and they would have come up with something good because they're good writers, or whatever. But like, if it wasn't as good as Toph, if it was somebody else that didn't have it was the, the impact... original one of being like the because the original one to be a man, a, a boy, probably not as uh, as not the same personality as Toph. Not as maybe memorable, different. not as personable. Maybe that person doesn't get carried in that legacy way into uh, the Legend of Korra, right? Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's a big part of my joy of watching the show in the first place. Of like, Maybe if it's somebody else instead of Toph, instead of the show being like a 10 out of 10, it's my favorite show. Yeah, maybe it's just a 9 out of 10. Maybe that's missing that. She she brings such a unique element that appeals to me personally. That's my sentimental answer. Uh, she's a big part of the type of TV show that I want to watch and enjoy. And she's very important to my relationship to the universe. So uh, both more objectively what you said and then subjectively, she's mm-hmm. just w- in, extremely important to me and how I enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good point. All right, Chris, let's make him pick a fight. Ooh, pick a fight. I feel like my opinion is going to be an unpopular opinion, but there's facts to back it. If Toph has any weakness to any bending, it's fire bending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because she, her feet can't get burned. And I think her feet will get burned fighting. Uh, Azula. Also, Azula has lightning, and that's not one of the... Azula can use lightning. She doesn't have to go through the motions like she used to. Like She can just go... She's like again, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I don't think seismic sense helps with a gunshot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think the reaction speed is there. Yeah. And, And so I... Like, even if Azula had to do all of this... Blocking one thing, Toph wouldn't know. Oh, that is the motion for her lightning bending. She Toph would just be like, "Okay, she's doing something." Like Toph knows the motion for earth bending. Like that's she knows. Like all right, this person foot hit right there, vibrations, earth kicking over. Like when she first faced Aang, 
and blew her away with wind. Because <laughs> those things are harder to read than Earthbending is. And like I said, Azula being able to just pew, 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 and also just pure fire is probably the worst matchup for Toph. I mean, yeah, for Toph than someone not named Amon or another Bloodbender or the Avatar. Or just, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think airbending could be a hair more problematic. Or, yeah. But but yes, in I, an offensive yeah. way. Zaheer is beating Toph. Also. Yeah, that just... and. You can't fly around and and fight a blind and, and blind person who sees through vibrations through the earth. Yeah, she's not seeing vibrations through the wind. I think yeah, it'd be year. very hard for her to beat standard Aang. Just I think that's a bad matchup, maybe even more than fire. But imagine that's a wing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good point. But uh, I I completely agree. I will say that. The things that would help Toph, like like if I was going to say like t- how many out of ten, if there was like a yeah. one or two out of ten that Toph won, it would be because she got something off that was very incapacitating very early, right? She got the metal bending around Azula before Azula could fire. So it would be like the if she got the first hit, she'd probably win. You know that that instant the instant victory kind of deal that would incapacitate Azula. But in every other circumstance where there is an actual kind of drawn out fight, I don't think it would favor her at all. Yeah, I'm gonna go ten fights. I'll get off two. Yeah, I'm in that two, four out of five, eight out of ten territory, and and I think it's not it's not luck. It's just that she she managed to get that first hit, and that it was a very big impact. You know, she launches launches Azula a mile into the air or, or completely metal bending incapacitates her somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, it kind of stinks to think about because yeah. I love Toph's fighting style. But the fact is that Toph's the best earthbender alive, but particularly against yeah. other earthbenders. Like, true. That's yeah. Toph versus any earthbender. Yeah. Hands down. Probably. Yeah, I think we went over. Yeah, we this. we put her up there, yeah. right? So yeah, and- we we definitely we definitely had her as the best Earthbender, hmm? uh, but I forget if it was like because we didn't break it down to like oh who's the best fighters of Earthbending, of but Earthbending. she would be. Yeah, the wrestling you know, her- scene makes perfect sense as an introduction to her because yeah, she is is functionally going to be better than any other Earthbender at Earthbending in yeah. in that very specific Imagine- scope. Imagine Boomy in that situation. Like, I don't think... I think Toph is really good at fighting multiple Earthbenders at the same time. Uh, and I'm not sure her seismic would, I mean, sense. Boomy would still... Her seismic yeah. sense does not suffer from the issues that peripheral vision suffers from. It is very... Uh, what do you call it? Very multidirectional. Right? Whereas uh, you mm-hmm. and I would be looking straight forward and out of the side of our eyes. Um... Boomy's still pretty ground bound, right? So he doesn't have a great defense yeah. against that. I I don't have any issue thinking that she would beat Boomy eight yeah. out of ten times. I don't know. I'll probably take Paul. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, yeah, this isn't a good matchup. Only slightly better than the airbending matchups, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's that's too bad, but that's okay. 
as little as one thing is being horrible, evil, and violent. So that's fine. Chris, final thoughts on Toph or Azula? Uh, both great characters. Um, love them both. Uh, I would the show without either one, the show wouldn't be as good. Yeah, it's not that there wouldn't be a replacement, but like if the replacement was closer to a replacement level character, it could legitimately affect my views of the quality of the show, like in a noticeable way. Yeah. Like obviously yeah. they would find another earthbending master, you know, they go back to Boomy or I don't know, make somebody else up, but No, I love love her exactly as she is. Gosh, even down to the episode where they're watching the theater reproduction, like, just what would that episode have looked like with anybody else? It wouldn't have been as enjoyable. That's such a big part of that episode. The uh, voice actress who talked, like, Kayla Murphy, I think that's her name. The thing is, her, she, her, her stage name was Jesse Flowers. Nice. I think her real name is Michaela Murphy, but she goes on Michaela Murphy now. Um, but uh, she's, she has her own YouTube channel, and she's been reviewing every single episode. Uh, she just got to uh, the Blind Bandit episode. So Fantastic. Episode. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for Thanks her. I'll have to go that. check that out. After I finish yeah. Brooklyn Ooh. Nine-Nine, of course. Yeah. Well, she'll be at Planet City Comic Con in March. Cool. Get to meet her. I would be delighted to meet her. That would be very high on my list of Avatar characters to meet. What other what other shows does she do? Anything else I would recognize? Not really. I think she voiced a small little girl in Emperor's New Groove. And then she voiced Lin no Suya and Beifong in Legend of Korra for those flashbacks. Um she also voiced Mang in Avatar season one, The Fortune Teller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does not look familiar. Let's check out the old IMDB. This is not elevant, uh, elevant, relevant to the episode. I'm just curious. Uh, let me see here. Korra, Avatar. Yeah, not much else here that... Yeah. Well, she kind of, you know, she she was very early in, in coming into... She must have been very young when she started, yeah. And then, and then she kind of just went away, which is probably good, you know, for, for her. Her in... Uh, Noah Ringer, not Noah, oh my, oh my gosh, sorry people. Noah Ringer is the uh, M. Night Shyamalan Aang. Why can't I think of the other voice actor for Aang? Anyway, he also kind of went away. She is uh, a character that I don't remember from Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. And oh, she yeah, has yeah, credits. Girl. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, she's the, she's the, that's right. She's the. You know, he ends up marrying her. I really like him. Uh, I've only seen it one time, and it's not that I didn't like it, but I only saw it once. Yeah. And then it looks like she's in other movies that I recognize, but not recognizable characters from those movies. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Hey, thanks for watching Avatar The Last Podcasters. My name's Sean. That's Chris. Please leave likes, comments, thumbs ups, uh, subs, bells, whatever. We appreciate it all. It's great. I'll put information about the episode down in the description. And we will see you again in uh, next week. I was going to say two weeks, but it doesn't work like that for them. We'll see you next week. See ya. Goodbye, people.
And now 20 oh, seconds of Chris impersonating Cat Williams. Go. Pimpin', pimpin'. My pimp name 